Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in chapter number 3. We just recently observed Mother's Day next week. Lord willing, we'll be observing Father's Day. And the older we get, the more, the more precious our memories become. When we're old and start getting feeble and not able to do uh, anything else, uh, the greater part our memories begin to play. And I guess you could say in the end, uh, all we have are memories and whatever rewards that we've laid up in heaven. And since most of our memories relate to the home, I guess you could say that our Our mind is mostly occupied with thoughts of home and heaven, memories and uh, and hopes. Uh, These memories are kind of like a chain that connect us with those that have gone before or with those that that are away from us. The ones we love are not always where we can reach out and touch them or hear their voice. I think many of you would agree with me when I say my most vivid memories have to do with, with family. The family that I came from and the family that, that Bev and I established many years ago. And I think the songwriter got it right when he said there's, there's no place like home. I tell you there's something special about home, something special about Family, and of all of the different words in the human language, I think family has to be one of the dearest words to, to our heart. And I realize that there are some exceptions because there are those who came from broken homes. There are those that were raised by a single parent. There were those raised maybe by a grandparent, those that do not even know who their mother and father was. They just don't have the privilege of of having those precious memories like a lot of us do. So there are exceptions, but for most of us, the very mention of family conjures up precious memories. That's why there have been so many poems and so many songs written about it, and uh, and, uh, that's why we often refer to it as the foundation of society. In other words, as, uh, as goes the family, so goes the world. And people take a, a lot of pride in being a part of a, of a certain family. I've, I've had the occasion to meet people that were uh, members of the family. I met, uh, met someone several years ago and had a business transaction with someone of the Gold family uh, that is known worldwide. I did work for John Q. Hammonds and... Uh, a lot of people to this very day look at the buildings that have been erected in his name, you know, and think about the, the so-called greatness of being a part of that family. And, and uh, Johnny Morris there in Springfield. A lot of people put a lot of, have a lot of pride and be a part of a certain family. It might be because of the things they have accomplished or the money they have accumulated or whatever it might be. But there's a lot of pride in that. But I want to talk to you this morning about uh, something even more important. I want to talk to you this morning about the greatest family 
and that's the family of God. In the book of Galatians, you don't need to turn there. Just stay in Ephesians, if you would. I want to read one verse. If you're familiar with the writings of Paul, you know that Paul spent a lot of times talking about how that God provided salvation, not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile alike. And whether, you know, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whether you're male, whether you're female or whatever, when it comes to the matter of salvation, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. We all become the children of God the same way. And he made this comment in the book of Galatians in chapter number Chapter number 3 and verse 26, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now when we come to the book of Ephesians, we find that in chapter number 2, you know, that he begins to describe how this works. Now remember, I've been talking about how that God provided salvation for all nations, all people, regardless of who we are. But there's something that goes a lot deeper than that because in chapter 2 of Ephesians, he talks about the unsaved people being the children of wrath, the children of disobedience. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself in John 8:44 said they were the children of the devil. And so, you see, this is the condition of the, of the natural man, whether, uh, whether it's a Jew, whether it's a Gentile, whoever it is. That's the condition of the natural person. But notice what happens here in verse number 14 of chapter 3. Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Lord, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family the whole family, in heaven and earth, is named. And that's why I say that this is the greatest family in all of the world. We're talking about those in this family that are the children of God. They are the heirs of God. They are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in this family because God is our Father. And I want you to consider what a special privilege this is for us to be called the children of God. And to do that, I want to ask and hopefully answer three questions. In fact, I, I really hope you took time to read the morning manna this morning because it relates to this, and I intentionally wrote that article this morning in Morning Manna because it addresses this very subject. Well, what is this family that we're talking about? Well, there's a lot of confusion about this family because some people believe that everyone has God for their father. They believe in what is called the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. The problem with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not accurate at all. Uh, just the other day I was listening to someone or reading an article by someone that was promoting sinful activity and they were emphasizing and took a verse out of the Bible where Paul referenced the fact that there is neither male nor female. And they applied that to everything in life. You see how easy it is for people to get deceived when they don't know Christ is their Savior? That has to do with salvation. 
I mean, if you've got a brain in your head there, you can tell the difference. There, there are males and females. There's a big difference between the two. There is a difference. God made that difference. But when it comes to salvation, there is absolutely no difference. Now, when it comes to this matter of salvation, we are not all a part of the children of God. We're not all a part of His family. There's not a universal brotherhood of man. God is our Creator, but He's not the Father of all because God's family consists of true Christians. That are those that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have been born again. I referenced a moment ago here in John 8:44, where he said to those self-righteous Jews, Ye are of your father, the devil. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? I mean, there'd be some churches want to run the preacher off if he got up and accused some people of being the children of the devil. But the fact of the matter is, if you've never been born again, that describes you. By the way, that described me before I was saved. That describes every unsaved person. That spiritually, you have Satan for your father rather than God himself. We become a child of God by the spiritual birth, referred to as the new birth. That creates a bond between us and God Himself. We often use that word that we have been reconciled to God. Before we were saved, we were in a state of animosity against God. We were, we were called the enemies of God. But the moment we're saved, all of a sudden, now God takes us into His family. There is a bond between us and God. But not only that, there is a bond between us and all other believers. We're united to God and we are united one to another eternally. You could say there is an entrance into God's family, but no exit. There's no way out. Somebody says, well, you know, you, you Baptist, uh, and I heard a nationally known preacher several years ago talked about the damnable heresy, as he called it, the damnable heresy of eternal security that we Baptists preach. i I got to tell you, I'd be afraid to say something like that. Of course, he's the same fellow that was messing around with the prostitution and got caught. You know, I'm still waiting for him to get on national TV and say, oh yeah, I lost my salvation, I had to go back and get it again. He never has said that. I mean, if you don't lose your salvation over that, what in God's name you got to do? When Jesus said, I give unto you eternal life, doesn't that kind of like mean forever, never ending? Duh! I mean, we, we got first graders can figure that out. And He gives us eternal life. That means that you and I, those of us that are in the family of God, are related one to another and related to God for all of eternity. There's no exit from this family. There's no being disowned from this family. You are forever a child of God. You might sin and bring shame to the name of your Savior, but you're never disowned from His family. Well, where is this family? 
Now, I know these are simple questions, and they're intended to be, but they're very serious. Where is this family? We, we need to stop and think about what Paul said, that there are those, notice he said, the whole family in heaven, the whole family in heaven and earth. So we're not all together right now, are we? There are some that are in heaven their death brings us grief whenever all of a sudden that we are ripped apart, as it were, by death. But, but what is grief for us is glory for them. And now, like the song says, we can only imagine. That, that's all we can do. You think about your loved ones that have gone on before, and you and I, we still just imagine what heaven is going to be like, but they know they're there They are experiencing it for themselves. So part of our family, part of our family are in heaven even at this moment. But there are some that are here, and by here I mean, of course, here on this earth. Think about it. If you're a child of God, you have brothers and sisters all around the world. Your family is made up of people of different colors, people of different backgrounds, nations, cultures, abilities and privileges we're not all of the same but we're all in the same family and we need to remember that because a lot of times we get the we get the idea that if someone doesn't agree with us on every little nitpicking thing that all of a sudden we don't want anything to do with them wouldn't it be horrible if we treat well it is horrible because that's the way some families do they act that way there's so much division in the family over differences. And I, I want you to know that there is room for us to be different and still to love one another. And that's the way it is in the family of God. And we have a special obligation toward our family members. That's why he said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10 that we're to do good unto all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. We have a special obligation to God's children. That bond ought to make us helpful. It ought to make us grateful. When we think about the vastness of God's family. I remember Bev and I going through the years, and every time, every time we would turn around, it was like we needed to make that announcement to the family again that, guess what? Well, after a while, they figured it out. She's pregnant again. You you would think everybody would rejoice, but believe me, not everybody's happy to see big families for some reason. I don't know why they worried about it. We had to pay the bills. Bev had to suffer the pain, and yet they get all bent out of shape and worried. What? You're having another kid? Well, yeah. What's wrong with that? I think big families are good, don't you, Tim? <laughs> Amen. At least he learned something growing up. But I'm telling you what, if you're a child of God, listen, you may not have any physical brothers or sisters or no siblings whatsoever, but if you're a child of God, you're a part of a great big family. Amen. And they're, they're scattered everywhere. 
a different culture. They speak different languages. You can't even communicate with some of them because they speak Chinese or this or that. You can't even communicate with them in that way. But there is a bond between you and them. So where is this family? Well, some are in heaven, but some are here. Well, that brings us down to the next question. And that has to do with the future of this family. Now, I I make mention of this for a very good reason, because there are a lot of people today questioning the future of the family as an institution. And make no mistake about it, there are those that want to redefine the nuclear family, those that want to destroy it. And by the way, they've done a lot of damage. They have caused many people to wonder if the family as an institution is going to survive. Every time I see one of those clips on TV about uh, the gay couple, I still can't figure out why in God's name they ever decided to use that word gay. But, but anyway, for whatever reason, you know what I mean. And uh, they talk about their, their, how do they even refer to it? Their mommy and their daddy and and the two women or two men, whatever the case might be, can you imagine some poor kid going to school trying to explain living in a situation like that? And I'm bringing that up to let you know that there are evil people in this world, some of them in Congress, by the way, evil people in this world that are determined to destroy the family as an institution. That's, that's exactly what they want to do. Somebody tells you it takes a village to raise a child. Baloney, it takes a family and a church to raise a child. Amen. Not a village. We don't need any one world government. We don't need any, we don't need any elite class of politicians dictating to all of us dummies because we don't have enough sense to come in out of the rain. Isn't it amazing? I read that just this morning, I happened to look on something, and Bernie Sanders had made the statement that he did not think that Christians ought to be allowed to run for public office. Well, what do you got to be, a Muslim? I mean, seriously, that he did not believe they were qualified to run for office. Now, you, you can sit there, you know, and, and, and be offended by that if you want to, but you better wake up to the fact that there, again, I say, are evil people that want to destroy not just what our, um, our, our nation stands for, not just what we represent. They want to destroy the very foundational uh, institution on this earth, the family itself. And there are a lot of people that are frightened about the future of the family. We could even talk about the future of individuals' families because there are a lot of people that are living under the gun and a lot of people that are going through terrible difficulties. And the future of their family is in question. It is a, a mystery to them. They, they don't know what's going to happen. Well, I don't know everything, but I do know some things about what's going to happen in this greatest family, God's family. 
Amen. And the reason I know is because the Bible tells me so. I know, for one thing, it's going to be finally reunited. Today happens to be the, our, one of our daughter's birthdays, and I, I simply posted on Facebook this morning, Happy birthday wherever you are. I love you because I don't know. Not only that, but but I was in contact with a woman that, well, it's been almost 50 years ago. The very first church I pastored, and her daddy was a deacon, and he was my song leader in the first church that we started. And I sat there, and I read, and I, and I knew what had happened already, part of the story. And I read about the heartbreaking situation that still exists to this day. And it's just amazing what can happen to a family whenever, whenever we, our hearts are wrong toward God. And Bev and I watched that family fall apart. Now it's reached the point that the family members basically have no contact with each other. The woman I talked to said she hadn't seen her daddy in over 30 years now. I mention that because a lot of times whenever we think about the family and we think about the separation, and it's such a wonderful thing to all of a sudden be able to see family members that you haven't seen in years. Well, I got news for you. For the Christian, the best is yet to come because we're going to be finally reunited with our family. We're still here. We're on earth. They're in heaven. But finally, in the day of the resurrection, we're going to be reunited. We're all going to arrive safely home at last and experience a glorious reunion but not only are we going to be finally united, we're going to be fully united together. You know, it's one thing to be together. It's another thing to be in harmony one with another. A lot of times families get together, and it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys feuding, you know. Everybody's fighting against one another, and it's a scary thing to get some family members together. And but boy, I'm telling you what, in this family, in God's family, even though... Even though we have, you know, some of our petty differences and what have you, in that day we are going to be fully, finally united in the sense that there will be perfect harmony. I'm afraid us preachers are going to have some apologizing to do when we get to heaven. We think we've got all of these other little details all figured out. We've been telling the church, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, this is right, that's wrong. And we get to heaven and discover, wow, I guess I was wrong about that. Let me tell you, there's none of us as smart as we think we are, or as smart as we'd like for other people to think we are. But one of these days, there's going to be perfect harmony. You know, even nowadays, we live in a day where you say, I'm a Baptist, and that's almost to the point like, so what? Isn't everybody, you know? Somebody said, well, what would you be if you wasn't a Baptist? And the woman said, I'd be ashamed. That's what, you know? But just saying you're a Baptist anymore doesn't really mean a whole lot because you can be, my land is 40, 11 different kinds of Baptists nowadays. 
But we'll get it all figured out in that day. Amen. And I don't know about you, but it thrills my heart to know that there is going to be a time, not only of a resurrection, but a time of us coming together. That's why I love that old song that says, won't it be wonderful there? You bet it will, because there will be no contention, there will be no jealousy, there will be no division, no arguments of any kind. Not only that. But in this family, finally, when we're reunited, we're going to be freed from temptation and even sin itself. Now, as long as you're in this world, you're going to be subjected to temptation. There's no way out of it. I don't care if you can quote the entire Bible by heart. It might be that you're the most talented, most generous person in the church that you're able to do more than anybody else. But I'll tell you one thing you can't do. You cannot escape temptation as long as you're in this world. You can be like a monk in a monastery and lock yourself in the walls and separate yourself from everybody else, but you can't keep the devil out. You're going to be tempted regardless of where you are. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of looking forward to the day where there will be no temptation. Wow, what a day that's going to be. Not only that, but in that day, God's family is going to be flawless. We're going to be transformed into His likeness. First John chapter 3 and verse 2 talks about that, the coming of the Lord. And in that day, we're going to be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians over in chapter number 5, as he's talking about the Lord's people and specifically the Lord's church, which is referred to as the bride of Christ. And we know there are no perfect churches on this earth, right? I mean, you do know that, don't you? (laughs) There's no church in the world that I love more than this church. No church I want to be a part of other than this church. And I, I, hate, I hate to hurt your feelings, but we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We, we got more problems that we, than we would like to admit. We got a lot of problems. But Paul tells us in that final day that the bride of Christ is going to be holy and without blemish. Isn't that going to be something? I mean that we're going to be in a state of perfection without any temptation. And not only that, but we're going to be filled to satisfaction. How about that? I'll guarantee you, you've never been fully satisfied yet. Not for a second in your life. Just about the time you think you are. You got this new this or that new that or whatever it might be. And you thought, boy, this is it. I mean, this this is thing going to make me fully satisfied. No sooner do you get it than you want something else. And we're all that way. We're never fully satisfied in this world. But the psalmist says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness, eternally supplied and perfectly satisfied. You say, well, boy, that's great. Boy, we won't have to do anything then, will we? No. We're also going to be forever serving the Lord according to the Bible because it says His servant shall serve Him. Day and night we're going to be serving Him. 
Think about that. For all of eternity. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in this world that I'd rather do than serve the Lord. I, I get tired in it, but never tired of it. So many people have wondered, oh, what are we going to do in heaven? My daddy, and he was, he was dead serious. He, I guess he had heard about the river being up there, so he won't know if he'd really be able to fish in heaven. And I don't know where he got that idea, but some people's got the idea their pets are going to be there, so I, there's absolutely no telling where people get all of these ideas at. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know a lot of things about heaven, but I do know this, in heaven we're going to be serving Him and perfectly satisfied forever. Amen. Be no complaining about it. And then we're going to be faithfully rewarded. Thank you, Bea, for the bulletin cover this morning. I don't know if any of you read it or not, but you ought to read the cover of the bulletin. I'm so glad, as the writer in Hebrews says, that God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Amen. I'm glad that God remembers and He knows and He records exactly what you do. And He's going to reward us accordingly. You see, we never, we never lose when we invest our lives in His service. That's why Jesus said that we ought to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Is that the way you're spending your life? To think about that day, and maybe some people think, well, boy, I've really had it rough in this life, and it might be that you have. There's no doubt about that. But I'll tell you, you'll be fully rewarded in that day, and there will be no complaints. Not one missionary or pastor or Sunday school teacher or Awana worker not one person that labored in the service of the Lord when they get there to heaven is going to complain about God expecting too much. We'll all wish we could have done more, really. Now, this is the greatest family in all of the world. And you need to give some thought to it in several ways. Number one, you need to think about the entrance into this family. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like this kind of family everybody would want to be a part of. Amen? The entrance into this family. Well, how do you get there? How is it that you can be translated, as it were, from that family of darkness, the children of wrath, the children of disobedience, and made made, as Paul described them, the children of light. We're the children of God. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does that happen? You say, well, uh, you know, you've got to join the church. And I believe the church is really important. And I mean, it's, it's the institution Christ Himself established. But you can join the church and it will still not get you to heaven the only entrance into this family is by putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to be concerned about whether or not you've entered into this family or not. Have you been born again? Do you know beyond a shadow that if, that if you died today that you'd go to be with the Lord? 
Well, I'll tell you, things can change in a hurry. We got the news the other day about our son-in-law, Roger, and I mean just overnight, all of a sudden, you go from somebody that's working to restore his house that had been damaged by the storm and been working on that, and a man that was in good health and what have you, in his early 50s, I think, and, and kaboom, all of a sudden now his life is on the line, and you ju- you absolutely don't never know from one day to the next. You better be certain that you're in this family. By the way, concerned not only about your entrance into it, but the evidence of it. Because a lot of people claim to have entered into God's family. They claim that they've been born again, but there's no evidence of it. There ought to be. If they, Listen, if there's no evidence of it, there's no reason to brag about it. kind of makes us look foolish when we talk about, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, there ought to be some fruit. There, ought to, there will be some fruit. There will be some evidence of that. Some of you need to think about enjoying this family. Wow, boy, if we Baptists have lost anything, it's the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you what, we might have all of our ducks in a row doctrinally. We might cross every T and dot every I, know what we believe and shout it to the rooftop and so forth. But listen, there's something wrong whenever we lose the joy of being in this family. Whenever we come through that door and enter into this building, our brothers and sisters in Christ are here. We ought to act like we know each other not run away from each other. God help us to show ourselves friendly. We also need to think about enlarging this family because, listen, we've been talking about the family as an institution. I'm talking about your blood brothers and sisters. That's a wonderful thing. But more important than this earthly institution is, is God's family. And wouldn't it be horrible to think about those that your siblings, those that were a part of your earthly family, and to think about being separated from them for all of eternity. And I can almost guarantee you that some of you, nearly all of you here this morning, you have a brother, a sister. It might be mom or dad. It might be a son. It might be a daughter. But it's somebody that you care about deeply. And they're not a part of this wonderful family we've been talking about. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And you ought to leave here today determined in your heart to do everything you can that they might be a part of this family. You shouldn't have to need a rebuke from the pulpit to do that. You shouldn't have to you know, go off to some Bible college in order to learn how to talk to people about Christ. You shouldn't have to take a class on evangelism. All you need to do is to know that you're saved, know how you got saved, and care about whether they're saved or not. Just go to them with a tear in your eye and a scripture on the tip of your tongue and tell them about Jesus. Can you think of anybody in your family you've not talked to about the Lord? Do you realize they're going to rise up in judgment against you in that day? That's what the Bible says. There's going to be the time where they're going to point a finger at you and say, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me?
But God has given you a wonderful opportunity. Some of you ought to go home when you leave this building. You ought to go home and maybe, maybe your siblings live in another state and you ought to get on the phone and call them and say, Hey, I'm so sorry I've neglected to bring this subject up before, but I can't wait any longer. And you need to talk to them about their need of Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know you're a part of this family, God's family, if you don't know that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you need to settle that matter before you leave here today. And you can. And it's all really very simple. Notice he said you're all the children of God by what? By faith. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Just trust him. Trust what he did for you when he died on the cross, and you will become a child of God. It can happen here this morning, and I pray that it will. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for accepting us into your family. We know, Heavenly Father, there's no earthly reason that would make you uh, obligated to receive us. We know that there's no merit on our part that would make us worthy of your blessings. And we're so thankful that you loved us even that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. He paid our sin debt that we might be set free. And I just pray here this morning for that man or woman, some boy or girl that's, that's lost today. They're not a part of your family. They could be. They ought to be, but they're not. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will, will speak to their heart just now and draw them to the cross that they might be saved. And Lord, for those of us that are members of your family, may we live with a bold determination to not see any of our family members die and go to hell. Help us to do everything within our power to reach them for Christ before it's eternally too late. For we ask it all in His precious name. Amen. Would you